What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Morris. You're listening to the Rims and S Podcast, episode 48. All right, so this is, this episode is going to be sh- strictly NBA, because um, there's a lot to really talk about with this. Day for the NBA, you got the trade-in deadline early in the day. You got pretty much some pretty good games I'm watching right now. I'm watching, I, I mean, last game was not so great. It was the two TNT games. But we got the Bucks and the Suns right now, and they just started. So I'm going to have that on the background as I pretty much run down everything. Well, to get it started, we got, uh, as far as like the trading deadline, or what happened early, obviously, I mean, pretty much the bomb heard around the world with James Harden going to the Sixers and Simmons going to the Nets. I mean, that was... I mean, we we kind of expected it, you know. But the it's always funny, right? Before the train deadline, you always see, you know, they always, you know, the interviewers or, or the reporters, they always will interview the coaches and stuff to be like, oh, well, you think James Harden is going to be gone or he's going to a different team? And they always will deny it to try to not show their card. They don't want to show their hand, so they could see possibly, you know. Make the deal a little bit more juicier. And they're not going to tell the reporters. They're not going to tell the interviews before the, the deadline if and when, if they're what they're going to do. But they probably, Steve Nash, which I, which who I'm talking about, is, you know, he clearly denied it and says, oh, I'm not going to trade James Harden to stand at third. And look what happened. I mean, he's, he's in Philadelphia right now, about to play with Joel Embiid. It's just crazy, man. It's going to be crazy, crazy end of this season. There's been a lot of stars moving around. I mean, Harden wasn't the only one that moved around. You had Brzingis that moved this, uh, t- today. He went to the Wizards, which w- that was kind of a shake-my-head type of trade. I'm like, what's going on with that? I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is a, is a key piece. You got someone that's averaging 19 and 19, pretty much almost a double-double close to seven. I think he averages about seven, eight rebounds a game, something like that. And he's almost averaging 20 a game. I know it wasn't a great fit with him and uh, Luka, Luka Doncic, but still, I mean, still that's still a, a pretty, pretty sizable asset. And you don't, you gotta give it up for just like, I mean, the Wizards really robbed him on that. I mean, you're gonna give him up for Dinwiddie, and I believe Harrell went to another team, as far as like a three-team trade. So. That was kind of a weird trade. And then you had McCollum going to the Pels a couple of days ago. He went to the Pelicans. So pretty much Little is pretty much by himself in Portland, where they're probably in a rebuilding situation. Then you have Sabonis going to Sacramento. And they basically got the Pacers got back Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, a pretty good young player. And then they have um, Buddy Heald. So, I mean, again, that's another head scratcher. Like, kind of a – that's – I'm – I mean, it's kind of a head stretcher for the Pacers. You're getting, I don't know. I mean, to me, when I look at him, like, it might be more of a head scratcher for the Kings because, like, you're getting Sabonis, but I don't think Sabonis is not an elite all-star. He's more of a, like, a fringe all-star. You know, he's a double-double guy. Averages about, what, 18, 19 a game, like, you know, 10, 11 boards a game. So nothing too crazy, you know, to give up. A young stud like Halliburton and 
heel. I know they're not going anywhere and they want to go a different direction. They're trying to figure out they can move pieces around. I mean, we'll also get into the Celtics and what they did. I'm going to really truly go deep into that because obviously, you know, I'm, going to, I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to this podcast wants a local perspective on that. So I would definitely dig deep, see how the pieces fit. And they were pretty busy today as well. So it's going to be exciting, exciting show. I mean, then we'll get into the All-Star game. We'll get into all the, the participants in the dunk contest, three-point shootout, the rising stars. Um, like I said, to me, this is like the most exciting time for me as far as like basketball goes. Um, of course, the All-Star game as well. Um, have my opinions on that and my thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, don't forget about the skills challenge. They changed that up. They changed... They changed up the skills challenge this year. They changed up the rising stars. So we'll get into that later on in the show. Um, so I would just say let's just, you know, round back off to what happened uh, with the trading deadline. Uh, busy, busy, busy day. Um, like I mentioned, Harding going to the Sixers. How will that fit? I think... This trade, obviously, if you just look at it, like, piece by piece, the Nets got a haul back. I mean, they got a haul back for Simmons. And I know, like, Sixers were pretty desperate. I think both teams were pretty desperate. Let's be real. Harden was, you know, he wanted out as well in Brooklyn. He didn't, he was a free agent, and he probably was going to leave. Just like Simmons is probably, you know, we all know Simmons is pretty much held out the entire season, which is pretty much like an astronomical event in and itself for him to be completely, you know, no-showing his team throughout the year. And here we have it. I mean, this is pretty much was the inevitable, and... Here he is. He's in an absolutely stacked Brooklyn team that's still waiting on, you know, Durant to come back from injury. You know, Kyrie does play half the games. Still a, still a stacked team. They got a lot of players coming back. I mean, I just was let's, let's, let's mention it. Andre Drummond. We all know he's a double-double machine. A guy that can get you a 20-20 game any, in any given game. Then you have Seth Curry. He went along with the deal with Drummond. I mean, that is... I don't know, man. I mean, I, that is a haul. I, I mean, that is a haul, man. Those are three rotational pieces right there. Obviously, we all know Simmons is going to be one of the you know top players on the team with Harden. Uh, excuse me. With Urban and Durant. I mean, that's going to be scary. And I looked at the roster before I recorded to kind of prepare for everything. I'm looking at the roster. You got, along with those guys that are coming along with the trade, you got still got Patty Mills. You still got Joe Harris. You still got um, LaMarcus Aldridge, which I think he's been hurt, you know, some part of the year. But, you know, he's still going to be a piece that they can you can rely on. Um as like a depth piece, at least. You know, he may not play a lot. I mean, Drummond might get more minutes in that as far as, like, between the two. But Aldridge, obviously, he's a, you know, stretches the floor as a stretch big. 
You still got Blake Griffin, which we all know he's not the old Blake Griffin, but he's still a valuable piece. Um, and a lot of these young guys, Cam Thomas, which I watched in the first game, I mean, he's out there scoring, you know, scoring a lot of buckets. Who else? Wow, it's just, to me, like, I look at the shooting is what really, really, really kind of makes this team dangerous. Not only do they have one of the better, you know, six nine point guards that you'll ever find in the league, one of the most versatile, you know, two way player you can find in the league with Simmons, you got Drummond with like I said the rebounding potential and the shot blocking. Then you have Seth Curry to add to Joe Harris, to add to Patty Mills. Patty Mills is you know, at one time was shooting almost fifty percent from three. Like something something crazy early in the year he was shooting you know, 48, 47% from three, like, and he's a, he's going to be in three coin contests. I'm going to mention that later on, you know, kind of see who's going to win that as far as prediction goes. But, yeah, Nets are, are stat. And then I looked at the Sixers rosters, and the Sixers didn't too, do too bad. I mean, you got Embiid, obviously, which we all know Embiid's having a ridiculous season, almost 30 a game, double-double. He's averaging. Then you have Tobias Harris, scary and sneaky good, nineteen points a game. Then you have, what was I gonna say, Harris, and then obviously you know Harding. I mean that you got yourself a nice little big three, you know that can really do some damage in the East. I think, I think if we had to line up, if we had a new, uh, do a new top three, I'm gonna do a top three for right now. I mean. Maybe I'll do a top five later on and maybe in the next podcast or so. But, I mean, you got, obviously, number one, you got, I think the Nets will probably, you could say they're the best team after this trade. Once they get everyone healthy, they're the best team. Then I think the Bucks. I mean, the defending champs, you can't knock the Bucks out. You maybe can say they have a good case to be number one as well. And then you have number three, you have, you have Sixers. I think the Sixers are number three. And number four, like I said, I mean, we'll get into see what we'll top five for that. Maybe I might do it in this show. Maybe not. We'll see. But um, that's a, that's a those three are pretty good. And we all know, you know, in the West is pretty much a definite with, you know, the Suns and the Warriors, which they didn't have to really do that much. They pretty much stand pat, both of those teams, which... Why would you if you're the best team in basketball? But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I would say both teams did well. And, uh, yeah, I was mentioning the Sixers. They do have some pretty good role players. Tyrese Maxey's a very good young player. He averages almost 16, 17 a game. Uh, Corksmuzz has been making strides. We all know uh, Matthias Dybul is one of the better defenders in the NBA. So, you got, I mean, you got, you got, they got role players. They got, they got high-level talent in Harden and Harris to really help Embiid out. Where Embiid can, if things break down and he gets doubled, Harden can knock down the three. Harris can knock down the threes. Um, they still have Danny Green, one of the better shooters in the league. So I mean, they they did they did okay. I mean, they, we I mean, it, I thought it was pretty unusual that they traded inside your conference. You normally don't want to do that because obviously you're making yourself weaker. To help the other team out. 
that you're pretty much competing against for a playoff spot. So, but that's how, that's pretty much the way it pretty much came out because these teams were desperate, but they still had solid pieces to come back in both of their trades. So, even though they felt, okay, I might, Sixers think, okay, I might have made my potential enemy more better. But I think what what we have, we still can, we still have the best center in the league, playing at a high level, a ridiculous high level at that. So why waste those opportunities and just take a chance? We're still getting a, a, an elite player back in Harden. And then the Nets' mindset is, you know, we don't got a choice. You know, we have a weird situation where Irving plays half the games and then Durant is hurt, but he's going to come back. And then you look at, you know, all our pieces around, all that. Simmons, all he has to do is just be a distributor. He doesn't have to do much. He can, he didn't have to be a defender or do so many things that he did with Philadelphia where he was, you know, doing, you know, Simmons is, even we all know he can't shoot, but he does everything else well. So, I mean, that you can live with that because they all, they like I just mentioned, all the shooters they have around, you know, Durant and Urban, there's no way you can double them. Like, there's no way you can really load up the floor against them because they got so much spacing with all those shooters. So, it's, again, both of those teams look pretty scary after that trade. And both of them, you know, they're going to be complete contenders regardless. I just think the Nets solidify themselves. If it may not be next uh, this year, it could be the Bucks year this year, as far as you know, winning the East. But it'll definitely be next year because they are just ridiculously stacked. I mean, they are like 10, 11, maybe twelve deep. That's how deep they are. And I mean, their young players are playing well. Cam Thomas is a rookie and he's playing well, and a lot of other young guys that they had to depend on because of all the injuries have done well as well. And those guys may not see the floor, how how deep they are. So, it should be exciting. I, that's all I got to say. It should be exciting. I can't wait to see how this season ends up. And how, you know, down the stretch to see how all the contenders will pretty much, you know, solidify their playoff seating. All right, so... I'm going to make this a separate section because I know I might go on pretty long, maybe a good 15 minutes or so, but let's talk about what the Celtics did. Let's talk about what they did. Um, It's very controversial. I've heard, you know, you know, particularly with the local station, they've been, you know, usually fairly negative and usually just expecting which I'm talking about 95 to sports up. I do watch, listen to that occasionally. Um, really just listening to that kind of inspired me to do what I'm doing now. So just, you know, to put out good takes and put out um, all kinds of, you know, information on the sport. I love, love to watch and play and everything. Basically the sport I love, but, um, I mean, what they've been saying, the you know, the narrative, they've been saying like, oh, well, it wasn't enough. Um, they gave up too much, too much back in those deals, which I mean, I can agree with that. I, 
I think they gave up a a lot, particularly for um, Daniel Tice. I didn't really like the haul on Daniel Tice, which that was pretty much the deal. Was Daniel Tice basically for Dennis Schroeder? Dennis Schroeder goes to Houston, and we obviously the Celtics get Daniel Tice back, and. I like I I see where Stevens was thinking on this. I think, you know, the death is kind of a weak point for them at the center position because you're relying on um, Rob Wins, which we all know is this year he's had a great year. I think he's been fairly healthy, but we all know you could use a little bit more depth at that spot. And then you got Horford, which technically is starting right now. He's 35 years old, so you got, and it's, it's just ironic, right? You know, Stevens, so it seems like Stevens loves to bring guys back that he likes. So it's like, it seems like Stevens kind of has like a pulse on what he wants and what he what he prefers with the team, even though he's not the coach. Um, I think, you know, I'll get into the Derek White in a minute, but Speaking of the center death, I would just say they they I, I see where he he was thinking on this because I know people say oh Daniel Tice is a bum this that, and the third like that's the narrative and stuff at least some of the negative people around here and I think it's a I think I didn't like that it was you know you gave up Schroeder from I think what it should have been reversed you should have gave up the younger players and kept Schroeder. You know, I thought I didn't think you needed that much to get uh, Daniel Tice. I don't really think it would have been that much. Like Shooter's almost averaging 15 a game, and he's a guy that can kind of light up, light it up on any given night. So you seen what he did early in the year when he had that you know huge run, where he you know the Celtics were what four zero in that run, and they he was averaging almost close to 30 a game. So it's like that he has that potential. So you gave that away, that you know potential X factor. Away for someone that technically Derek White is probably replacing, or that's pretty pretty much where they're going with Derek White as this potential six man, which what Schroeder was was for the team so far. So I mean, I don't know. It's I would have flip flopped it. The haul that you would have got for Derek White, I would have traded to Houston, but Houston obviously wanted a you know premier player. They are already a, a young team. So I get why they didn't want to say, why they didn't want, you know, why they wouldn't want Langford or any of the young guys that went in that other trade. I think Langford was probably the key piece in that other trade, along with, you know, Ennis Canner, which we all call him uh, Ennis Freedom now. But I would say it was, like I said, I, I get it. You know, you want to solidify the depth of the center position. That's why I get it. I just think it was a little bit too much. It was an overpay. That's all. That's my opinion on it. I don't like the play. It's not that I don't like the player. It's just I like think it's a little too much for him. If you could have got him for some of the young guys, I wouldn't mind if Pritchard would have went today. I wouldn't mind if Neesmith would have went today. I think those guys, you know, even though they had, you know, uh, lesser roles this season, I mean, I'm not really too like now. You're kind of depending on them, unless you know. We'll see what happens in the buyout market. I mean, that's still another option, which you got a few weeks for that. I think it's March first is the deadline, so they're coming in after the trade deadline, giving up a lot of players. 
And they had to like fill out the rest of the roster with some G League players for now. And hopefully, you know what I'm saying, they can get maybe some buyouts in the upcoming weeks because they're going to need to solidify that bench. I don't really think the bench is deep enough right now if they want to truly compete. It, I mean, technically, this was kind of, they want to say, oh, well, are they buying? Are they selling? That's kind of like been the narrative, you know, the local radio station around here. But I really think they were trying to like, they were trying to buy, but I mean, I would have loved for them to got Brzingis. I didn't know Brzingis would have been available for Spencer Dinwiddie. If that was the case, I would have loved to get Brzingis. But I like Tice. It would have been nice to get Brzingis, though, but I like Tice. I think Tice is a solid player. I mean, he's going to be someone you can draw uh, coming off the bench to help out Williams and, and, and Horford to get an extra blow. Maybe you can get good 20, 30 minutes out of him any given night. On certain situations and certain matchups, but I mean, it's not like it's a game changer. It's not like it's a Brazingis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if Brazingis, that's probably would have took it. It probably would have took Marcus Smart to get Brazingis back in one of these deals, which I think, you know, technically, if you want to say it, that's the case, right? If Dallas was interested in Marcus Smart, then it would have. It would have you could have gotten Przingis back. I think that would have been what they would have wanted, and they probably thought, okay, Celtics are not budging. Let's go to the next option, the Wizards, and that's why you know that's how that happened. Przingis was available, and the Celtics for some reason didn't want him because they wanted Marcus Smart. I mean, that to me, that's where I think I get the narrative where they're being negative about it because maybe they could have. Swung for the fences and maybe taking a more of a chance and maybe would have gotten rid of Marcus Smart in order to get a guy like Brzingis. I would have been a little bit more happy with that deal. I would have been. I would have been happy and maybe you know maybe you would have added a, a draft pick to that and maybe you would have got maybe Dorian Finney-Smith or someone like that, someone that has a similar role that Smart plays with for this team. I think that would have been a better option than Daniel Tice, but. I mean, I digress. Uh, but yeah, move on to the second part of the of their deals or the second leg. I would say Derek White. I like that deal. Like I said, I think that was a better deal than the Tice deal. I think they were able to get more of a value for that deal, where you're getting a a guy that, which I didn't see that much film of him, but like you're getting a guy that can do multiple things. Kind of like a baby Ben Simmons, where he can he can pass. He's he's a bigger guard, right? He's not six nine, but he's he's six five. Six, yeah, he's close to six five, and he can he's a bigger guard that can you know not a good not as obviously he's not the rebounder Simmons is. I'm maybe it's a terrible comparison, but I'm just trying to just kind of give you a picture of what I'm talking about. As far as like a bigger guard, like Derek Wright is more of a bigger point guard than normal point guards. He's 6'5". I think he's like close to... Let me look up his weight real quick. Derek White. So he's about, yeah, 190. And he's got to get a little more weight. That's what, that's pretty much the weight. I looked up his like draft card just to kind of see his strengths and weaknesses. That's what I tend to like to do. I like to go back to... When I look up a player and I want to like kind of find information on them, I like to look up their draft, you know, draft 
profile, whatever, maybe on like one of the drop sites to see what they said about him back then and then compare it to what it is right now to see if it actually ended up becoming true. And a lot of it was pretty, I would say as far as like him being more of a like score, like, yeah, they didn't expect him to be more the scorer that he is. He's averaging close to 14. Does He's not that efficient though. He's averaging, what, 14, 15 a game, averaging about five assists a game, and, like, he's averaging close to maybe three and a half rebounds a game, something like that. So, that means, like, good all-around numbers, and on the defensive end, he can guard multiple positions, maybe twos and threes, maybe ones, but I don't really think he has the athleticism to guard a lot of ones in this league. But you can probably match him up with certain ones. But I like that they got another guy that can handle the ball, which I think Stevens loves that. I think Stevens kind of like builds the team how he'd want his team to be coached. So, again, another guy that can be at a ball, you know, a distributor as well as a ball handler. So you're not really you can you can have you can run the offense through him. Along with Smart, you can run the offense through Smart. So you got two guys you can run the offense through. So people were, you know, some people were upset. Because I would listen to the callers, too. And some people were upset. I don't want to make everything about that show. But, like, you know, I was listening to On The Way Home from work. And I was, like, definitely paying attention to some of the callers. And they were saying, like, oh, well, Josh Richardson, um... He lost Josh Richardson in the deal. And I just think that was, yeah, that might have been the most valuable piece out of the Derek Wright deal is that Josh Richardson pretty much, you know, is gone as well in this deal. So, yeah, you had to give up Langford. You had to give up Canner. But you did lose Josh Richardson, which, I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's. I think what makes Josh Richardson a valuable piece to this team is his defensive versatility. Him able to guard ones, able to guard twos, and some threes as well. I don't know if Derek Wright has that ability to really be the defender that Josh Richardson was at times. I don't really think Josh, he was hit and miss as far as like his offense goes. You know, lately he's been good. His offense has been good of late. This is the reason why they've been, reason why the Celtics have been making this run. But early in the year he was, you know, fairly inconsistent. So. I mean, I'm not really, people are upset. I'm not really that upset about it. I just think, I don't know. I mean, I you hope, I, that means they must be depending on Neesmith to be a defender for them. Which I think when he does play minutes, he can be. I think he can have the ability to defend and and they 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 must be expecting a lot out of Pritchard, or at least one of those two guys have to step up, because it's like even if you get one or two guys in the buyout, maybe one of those two guys might actually pan out to be good. It's a reason why they're in the buyout market, folks. Like it's not like they're good, you know, good solid players. They're just guys that are castaways from other teams. So it all depends on fit. Sometimes, sometimes the fit works, but sometimes they flame out. Because that's why they're in the buyout market. So it's like sometimes you can't depend on those guys as you you know want to, especially when it comes down to playoff time. So one of those two young guys, whether it's Pritchard or, or Neesmith, have to step up because I don't really think you can depend on a three-man rotation 
of White, Grant Williams, and I'm trying to think of the other piece. I'm drawing a blank right now. Grant Williams, White. Oh, man. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on that. Celtics. Roster. It's like, that's what I'm, I, even, I can't really keep up. Because it's like, they, a lot of, like, they took away a lot of the roster. I think like four or five players, you know, were traded away today. Yeah, Tice. I just, you know why? That's why. Because Tice is the new guy that was upcoming in the trade. So it's like crazy. Like, they totally, absolutely revamped the bench. And now you got Rant Williams, Tice, and Derek White as your new bench. Which, uh, the bench was hit and miss. Like, lately has been good because Richardson's been good of late. And, and Schroeder and Richardson really carry the bench of late. So now those two guys are gone. So now you got a whole new bench. You got a good starting lineup, but then you got a whole new bench. So I'm like, we'll have to see how it looks, but that's going to be interesting to see how that will play out. I mean, I don't know. I think that's going to be shaky. I don't really think, I mean, obviously we talked about the top two teams, Bucks and Nets, but. Even with the Nets without Kyrie, you know, playing half the games are still probably better than the Celtics roster. And we all know that. And so I just think you'll be lucky if you can get maybe in the second, possibly. You'll be lucky if you get in the second round. If you make it to the second round, sorry to blow bubble, you know, blow people's, you know, you know, expectations of this roster. Unless they find out to get some, unless they absolutely win big in the bio market in some crazy way like I don't really see much potential because that bench is fairly weak they really weaken the bench if I had to say one downside of it yeah you got Derek Wright but you absolutely decimated the bench and they gave out draft picks too in some of these deals so I don't know man that's like I said they paid a high price for Tice they paid a high price for Derek which I like I said, Derek Wright is a better player. But the price, yeah. But that's what it is. You know, trading down like you're not gonna get a cheap deal unless you're you're the um wizards. <laughs> Cause the Wizards literally absolutely robbed the maps of that deal. And Mavs are really just going to a rebuilding stage anyways. They they know they don't got no chance in the West. But I'm just like, man. And if it may have been a, like a financial move, which it probably was, because now you you know pretty much lose that Brazingas money, and now you can go out and get a free agent in the off season to to hope play, uh, you know, which we all know it's gonna be an attractive place to play because Luka Donk is one of the best stars in the league, so I'm pretty sure someone will be clamoring in the off season to play with him. But I thought it was surprising. Then. You look at, um, as you circle back, again, trading deadline was a lot of events. You look at, I mentioned Sabonis earlier uh, going to the Kings. That was kind of a weird move. You know, they gave up a lot. You know, Buddy Hill, then Helen Burton, those guys are both, you know, a good scorers, man. Both of them are very good scorers. 
just for one big guy that's only like a 18 and 10 type of guy. I mean, that's, I don't think you're going to win having, you know, Sabonis as your best player. I just don't think that's your best success if you're the Kings. I think you're just trying to just say, okay, you got one star. Can we get another star? That's going to be the key for, King, key for the Kings because you're not going to win with one star in the West. Like, the West is too too deep and too talented to win with one star. So they got to do something else along with Sabonis if they want to have a chance to compete one day because we all know it's been a long, long time for the Kings, man. They, they just – they've been pretty – Pretty awful for a long time. And then uh, another one that was kind of another deal that I really piqued my interest was McCollum going to the Pelicans. That was it was underrated, I would say. I mean, obviously, Blazers going in a, a rebuilding situation. Pels still waiting for Zion Williamson to come back, basically. And then once they get Zion Williamson come back, who knows? I mean, you got three stars with McCollum, you know, Ingram, and Williamson. If Williamson can get his act together, get his butt in shape, I mean, they they are they're a team that's pretty scary as far as talent goes. They got high level talent with those young players along with McCollum. So I would say. The trade winners, obviously the Nets. Trade losers, the Wizards. No, excuse me. What am I talking about? The the Mavs. For today. I mean, maybe there will be winners in the offseason, but I think the Mavs is definitely, you know, and then Celtics neutral. Celtics neutral. I think they're like a CB range. More, I don't know. I'm leaning towards a C now that I look at that bench, man. <laughs> I mean, they absolutely decimated that bench just for Derek Wright and, and Daniel Tice. I mean, that's – which I get it. Like, a lot of people say, oh, well – I mean, a lot of people around here and, you know, local radio stations, they say, well, you know, they got all these, you know, fodder at the end of the bench. What are they going to do with all this fodder? They, yeah, well, guess what they did, but they got – Derek Wright and Daniel Tice for that. <laughs> but, I mean, to me, I like Derek Wright. I think White has have some, may not have that much potential because he is 27. So, he's pretty much where he's at, where he's going to be in his career. So, you just have to hope that it's a good fit. Hopefully, he's a really good fit. And maybe he excels than what his statistics have shown so far, you know, with the Spurs. But, I mean... He's played at a good system, good coach. I think there's an Emi Odoka connection. I think Emi Odoka kind of was, you know, vouching for him to come here because he did coach him, I believe, early in his career. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens with that. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll shoot up to the next segment. The next segment is going to be all based on the All-Star Game, the contestants, All-Star Game itself. You know, the skills competition, the dunk contest, three-point shootout, and then my thoughts on the, you know, the draft that happened tonight, you know, Team James and Team Durant to see how their teams fared up and see, you know, see who has the upper, upper end and all, all these, um, all these, um, competitions and, and obviously the game itself. So you listen to the Rims and Nets podcast shows, Rob Morris. We'll be right back. <laughs> 